How's it going, by the way? Hey. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone believed we'd be saying this when we started the podcast, but here we are, Mayor of Campbelltown, George Bratitsevich. Welcome to the Bull Banter Podcast. How are you? Uh, good. Thank you, Blake. It's an absolute pleasure to be on this afternoon. So uh, thanks for the invite. Yeah, not a problem. We've been chasing you up for a little while and, you know, you've been around the club a little bit, so it's good to sort of get your opinion on things. Um, we'll start off with a fairly simple one. How did you get into the world game? Uh, I suppose it's in my blood. Uh, my dad and mum are Croatian and um, my dad, sadly, he, he passed in December, but absolutely uh, loved the game. He, I was born and bred in Macquarie Fields. We had the, you know, 900 square metre block, two brothers, two younger brothers. So we we're constantly out there playing with dad, uh, you know, two on two or we had our friends and mates over. It would make makeshift floodlights. Uh, we just loved the game. Uh, we'd do our own World Cups. Uh, I remember in 1986 going to the local corner shop and getting uh, the World Cup cards with Diego Maradona and Argentina and, um, you know, the Rummenigge and the German team. So, right. yeah. So And then uh, I sort of didn't start till under 10s, um, which normally people start in sixes yeah. because uh, my dad, I thought – He'd be more productive. He could sign my younger brother Steve in under sixes and me in under tens. So he'd take us at once to yeah. uh, Milton Park at Macquarie Fields, and I was playing for the Macquarie Fields uh, United uh, Flyers, uh, which uh, sadly no longer exist. But um, yeah, I had great great memories playing on that field, and you know playing Campbelltown Cobras and Ingleburn Eagles. That was our local derby. Um, yeah, absolutely uh, love the game. It's Hereditary, it's in my genes, yeah. And you've seen with Croatia, um, you know, 98 uh, World Cup runners up to France, and bloody 20 years later, <laughs> runners up to France again. So, uh, oh, yeah, my great, yeah, but my greatest soccer moment or uh, sporting moment is being at Stadium Australia when we uh, beat Uruguay on penalties. Uh, oh. You know, I've been around a long time, many World Cup campaigns. Went to uh, Melbourne to watch Uruguay and Australia in 2001, and then they lost 3 0 in Montevideo. Uh, games against Israel and Canada when, you know, uh, Mark, Mark Schwartzer had a mullet and saved us in penalty shootout. So, yeah, I've been. So, you've been a around. Big journey. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, you've been in for the long haul. And, like, that's crazy. Like, that 2005 game, that qualifier against Uruguay, that's honestly what made me fall in love with the world game as a, a young kid, like 10 year old watching that you can't possibly do anything but fall in love with it. Um, and I think it's the same for a lot of blokes my age. Um, yeah, going on from the that, biggest, so um, you've got the, uh, you've got the background in it, I suppose. And it's been, you know, obviously given to you from your parents and passed down and you've played it all, all in your youth. Um, but who did you support overseas? Um. Look, in terms of uh, back to Croatia, Hajduk split because that's where my dad was from. Yeah. But in terms of uh, uh, the EPL, uh, Aston Villa, because in uh, 1996, I went on a like police soccer tour. Uh, we toured uh, Vietnam, England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland and Ireland. And uh, Bozza, Mark Bosnich, um, uh, he was at Villa and he took us for a stadium tour uh, gave us a whole bunch of tickets for their Blackburn game, introduced us to Dwight York. So uh, I've got an affection for Villa 
because of the way they treated us on that tour and the way Bozza looked after us as well. So that's why uh, I know Bozza. I run into him many times and uh, he's a real good guy. <laughs> so you're well connected, mate. We gotta we gotta use you to uh, to talk to some heavy hitters in the A League. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know a few. <laughs> Um, yeah, I suppose building on from that, uh, being a Villa supporter, oh, I say we'll, we'll ask for your favourite player of all time and currently playing now. Uh, look, in terms of uh, Dwight York, I think of all time, because he come to the EPL, uh, he, uh, sorry, he came from the EPL to, you know, he was playing for Aston Villa and Man United and in terms of, um, like, yeah, in terms of he come to the A-League, in the inaugural A-League. So, so in terms of uh, I, I've got an affection for him because he is a trailblazer. Um, he played for Villa, played for uh, Man United, went to the World Cup with, you know, Trinidad and Tobago. And then he, uh, he come to Sydney on the first season and uh, won the A-League. So in terms of him, uh, met him personally. So I'd say Dwight York, followed by Bozza, of course. Uh, But then uh, in terms of young up-and-comers, Ollie Watkins is probably my... And and Jack Relish as well. Yeah, two two up-and-coming, bloody brilliant players. So though England haven't won since 66, maybe with a couple of those young blokes... Uh, they can get closer. Uh, not that I, you know, I've always support the Socceroos and then Croatia. Like going back to the 2006 World Cup, can you believe Croatia and uh, and Australia were in the same group? Like you couldn't pick it. And uh, yeah. though, of course, I'm going to support the country of my birth. It was uh, it was tough, like being in the same group. And and what a game! Two all should have been three two. Uh, <laughs> you know, Harry Kill scoring equaliser, Carlats doing the world's biggest like error. Oh, he had a shocker. That, he had a mare. That, that game, like, it was probably more emotional than the Uruguay game. So, yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. And you see it even, um, you know, in the stadium, there were some who were wearing a half Socceroo, half yeah. Croatia strip. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's inseparable, you know. Oh. When you got Viduka and Skoko and, you know, you got like maybe three or four players, um that uh, got that heritage. Uh, and you had Josip Szymanic, the three mm. yellow card bandit, who's Australian born, and uh, two other, uh, you know, Serich and, and Di De Luca, uh, who were Australian born, but chose to play for Croatia. Yeah. And I actually asked uh, Serich's brother, did he regret, um, you know, playing for Croatia instead of the Socceroos? He goes, no, I asked that for my brother. He goes, who would I drink coffee with? Like, big coffee culture sitting on your back yeah. backside in Croatia. So, uh, yeah, he doesn't regret it. But, <laughs> but yeah, so in terms of uh, the background of the Australian team, there's been many Australian Croatians play for Australia. So, yeah. Yeah, those, um, those players from former Yugoslav nations, you see, like, even though they're all split into sort of micro nations now, obviously Croatia being sort of the strongest out of them, but you, you see they're just a production line of excellent talent across Europe. Um, and it's even, yeah, still represented in the diaspora here in Australia and, and abroad. So, um, yeah, good footballing lineage, certainly. Um, even we, uh, Serbia now is making a good run in the Euros too. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't Ronaldo blow up with the uh, no VAR on the line? Like, <laughs> so to all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, it's different now. Like, 
I don't know. It's obviously the pandemic's affected everything and there's no crowds, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of nostalgia around that, that time period, the late nineties into early two thousands football was just, you know, a different level, I think. But anyway, uh, we wanted to talk about things more locally. Um, so pulling it back into MacArthur, um, you were involved in the bid process and we just wanted to know what was the process like to get a team in the area and what role did council play in securing the team for Campbelltown? Well, we started a, a few years earlier uh, than when the bid actually happened. Uh, myself, the general manager and the director of City Lifestyles and one of the executive managers went and met with Greg O'Rourke at FFA headquarters and Mark Falvo and we sort of pitched a team. Uh, the idea, the growth, you know, went through the demographics, the, um, you know, uh, projections of future uh, growth association numbers um, in terms of an idea. So we knew the expansion was on the horizon. So we just wanted to get our foot in the door, which um, worked quite well. Uh, then we had, you know, had some involvement uh, with Sam Krislovich uh, before he was a different bid to ours. So we're looking at sort of um, a bit of a uh, Greenland or Chinese backing, which probably with, you know, current days and with what's happened with Newcastle and that, glad that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and then we went and approached um, uh, Lang Walker as a business ambassador. Um, and uh, later Lang decided to become part of the bid process, which was fantastic. So we were the United for MacArthur bid. Uh, it was council run bid uh, with the backing of uh, Lang Walker or the Walker Corporation. Uh, we also had backing from uh, MacArthur Association. Um, they gave a contribution and we had the backings of clubs like Eskold Park and other uh, clubs within the area, which were quite excited about a possible A-League team. Then out of, uh, I'd say nowhere, but um, Gina reckons he'd been working on it for many years as well. Uh, I only ever heard him talk about the second division, uh, but lo and behold, they had the Southwest bid and were sort of obviously in competition, were rivals. And then it was suggested to us that we actually merge. And then we had a couple of meetings and um, we actually did merge. And I think if we didn't merge, we wouldn't have a team now. So yeah. uh, was that down to metrics? Cause I know um, during the bid process, it was very thorough, you know, looking at, the viability of bids, um, they got Deloitte uh, in there to sort of suss it all out. So was that a recommendation from like United for MacArthur going to the um, other bid or Gino's bid coming to you guys, or was it suggested from above like Greg O'Rourke or Deloitte or the league yeah. itself? Uh, it sort of uh, inferred or suggested from above that would be a lot stronger together, having two rival bids for the same patch of dirt. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of, you know, they were sort of more Southern districts, so Liverpool, sort of Fairfield, mm -hmm. more MacArthur, Wollandilly. But what uh, with, I suppose, the Southwest, it brought Bankstown Association online, it brought uh, Southern districts, and then uh, you've got here uh, the MacArthur sort of um, association as well. Then your numbers went from 10,000 to 30-odd thousand in terms of players, but in addition, the growth in the Southwest. So we complemented each other. And um, I think, uh, yeah, if, if we didn't merge, uh, we wouldn't be here now talking about it. You wouldn't be wearing the jersey no. uh, or have the background there. But uh, it, it was quite, you know, it was quite an emotional journey because you're the, your enemy one day and then, you know, you're part of the next. So, uh, but we haven't looked back. It's been fantastic. And 
it's you know it's still a journey obviously the pandemic can and crazy well, yeah what a year to like, start a football club hey oh wow and then like you look at the three games uh you know, against Sydney FC, an hour delay for the 50-year storm. Uh, <laughs> then we play Adelaide in another 50-year storm and then Western United. Um, you know, these 50-year storms are coming around every month. So Yeah, it's no good. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's been it's been a few obstacles. But um, yeah, you know, it's, it's looking good. Forecast is good for Friday. So fingers crossed on that one. We get a decent crowd and we can start to really build um, you know, a supporter base because, yeah, like you've said, with COVID, with the seating restrictions, with the poor inclement weather, uh, it's just not been really getting going for us. But the team has been doing the job on the pitch. Um, following on from that, with, you know, getting the bit across the line and obviously we're playing our first season, um, we're starting to get results, hopefully starting to get larger crowds. But what future do you see for development at and around Campbelltown Stadium? Yeah, look, we've done a lot of lobbying by the local MPs. Um, we've seen met with the sports minister. Uh, obviously, the Premier came out as a guest of the club and um, we've uh, done our own presentations to FFA, NRL, uh, pretty much whoever would listen to us. Uh, you know, there's a business case for Jubilee or Nestrata Oval. Um, and then there's announcements of possible feasibility studies for Penrith and uh, Brookvale as well. Uh, and then I think, I can't remember if there's one further sta- stadium, but we're very disappointed. as well, Loyaland was um, supposed yeah. to be getting an upgrade as well. Yeah, so we're, we're disappointed not to be part of that because they're talking about you know, suburban grounds and, you know, because ANZ's not getting done, that uh, maybe, um, what do you call it, uh, the money will be going to local grounds. And I think we've got a great case in terms of um, it's a stadium on the train line. It's got uh, reasonable parking. It's, uh, you know, we consider ourselves as a metropolitan city centre of the MacArthur region. And we've got our own A-League team now and we've still got the NRL and we've got many other competitions playing there as well. So in terms of uh, we'll continue to lobby hard and, you know, I even spoke to Mike Freelander uh, recently in terms of, um, you know, possible opportunities in the future, depending on what happens in politics and elections. So every time I see a politician, if it's uh, Greg Warren, if it's Mike Freelander, if it's the sports minister or whoever, uh, always lobby, lobbying and advocating because I, I think, you know, like you mentioned, um, fair the Premier did come to Campbelltown and I think if you're going to have another 50 storm, that was the time to have it to show that people were running for their lives from the wet and the rain yeah. to sort of come up into the stands. So, which was fantastic to have all the people in the stand, uh, but it was good to see, you know, politicians for themselves that it's not a fully covered stadium and when the weather's inclement, then it, you know, causes disruption, uh, takes away from people's comfort and it might discourage people from uh, turning up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 100%. you look at the, uh, the F- SFS is being rebuilt at the moment and they've chosen to put a big dome roof over the top of the stadium to make sure that, you know, people can go to the game no matter what the weather is and feel, you know, safe and secure. And um, I guess it's not that it's unsafe, but it's uncomfortable, like you said, um, if you're out in, in the elements and, you know, only the diehards really go down there. But, um you know, our, our area is growing and it's got that sort of uh, younger demographic coming through with families and such. And so you want to make it 
the best possible, I guess, um, situation for yeah. them to be able to bring the kids out no matter what, rain, hail or shine. Yeah, um, like the advocacy, like, you know, I did my stuff with the politicians, but then that game I joined yourselves in the uh, the bullpen and I had to get my suit dry cleaned afterwards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was absolute soaked. I loved it, absolutely enjoyed it. And, uh, and of course, winning 4-0 helps as well. So... <laughs> Yeah, you're definitely, um, I'd say, definitely the number one government supporter, even though uh, Gladys got touted as such. Um, we haven't seen her in the bullpen, but you've been in there multiple times. I think I think you've deserved that title, I think. should be yours. Yeah, look, you know, they ch- the club chose to give her the number one membership and I can see the merits in that because they hold the money bags for stadium upgrade. We can't quite do it on our own at this stage. Uh, so I can see the merit in that. But, um, yeah, I don't imagine her being in the bullpen. I congratulate her for going out on the field on the umbrella. But uh, well and truly loved it, uh, being in the bullpen and waving the flag and just being with uh, the fanatics. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Number one in our hearts. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, nah, fair enough. Fair play to the club as well. If it gets us, you know, across the line for a southern stand or a proper home for the bullpen of active support or just even some extra cover on the um the eastern grandstand like it'll all be worth it in the end won't it yeah absolutely yeah definitely yeah so taking it to um the end of this week we're up against perth we've been on a couple games of a you know a good run uh, we've won against wellington and previously against western united um i wanted to ask you george how do you see this one playing out against perth what's your prediction for friday Oh, look, Perth have probably had the most disruption with uh, obviously being the furthest team away and uh, a few of the borders being closed where, you know, the New South Wales teams, we played each other a couple of times. and and uh, But they're a good team. Um, you know, Castro is a class player. Um, you know, when uh, Reddy gets beaten, I love it. He's, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> you know, he plays I watched up, him go. He? Yeah, from club to club and when things don't go his way, I love it. Um, so I hope that happens again. So I'd like to see, you know, maybe a 2-1 win or, or even a bigger win. Uh, I think, you know, we've got some momentum. Uh, you know, the Wellington game, 1-0, uh, uh, ground out that result. You know, going to win stadium, um, it's not an easy place to play, um, especially with the wind and the beach. And yeah. it's, it's not our home, uh, play, home stadium. Yeah. But in terms of uh, the Western United game, you know, we went down 1-0 and we uh, got the equaliser and then, um, you know, we got the the second goal just perfect on the 45th minute. Like if you're playing FIFA, yeah. like that's when you want to score, eh? <laughs> so for yeah. uh, the 90th. And, uh, and then to hold out for that whole time and, you know, Western United's a, a class team uh, with Diamante and Barisha, another player I love, like, playing against and, you know, giving it to him uh, <laughs> because he fires up with that uh, Albanian background. And, um, yeah, so to have those two wins in a row, to, if we can make it three against Perth, uh, you know, like Richie Garcia, he's like, a, you know, obviously a brand-new coach. It's his first um, proper big gig. Um, there's some young coaches around and they're making quite a good effort and they're very passionate. I enjoyed when he played for Hull and the Socceroos and stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to see him leave Campbelltown with a loss. So yeah, definitely, wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? I think that's a that's a fair bet. You've you've heard it, listeners. If you if you back the mayor in, um, get on that victory for the Macarthur Bulls. Um, just to follow up on that one, 
where do you see us finishing on the ladder come season's end? If you look at the table at the moment, we're sitting in fourth and um, unfortunately a few pundits out there have tipped us to slide out in, in lieu of Perth. Um, so I think, yeah, this Friday will be a very important game, but where do you see us ending up, George? Um, in terms of the ladder, like obviously um, Melbourne City are on the run and Central Coast have you know, started the season on fire. So they're two uh, tough teams. You know, you've got Sydney FC who are struggling a little. Uh, you've got the Wellingtons, you know, a bit of bad luck that they're playing away from, obviously, New Zealand. Um, in terms of you've got a few teams that are really struggling and you've got a couple of teams that are really excelling. But I think we're right in amongst it. And I think what's happened, you know, when we beat Brisbane in Brisbane, um, we've had a few results go our way when we've played, but also, you know, we got smacked once 4-0 and we've had a loss here or there. But when we have lost, other results have gone our way. So I think this is probably the tightest competition in years in oh, terms certainly. of, yeah, you don't know who's going to win on the day. Uh, you know, Newcastle's quite a good side, but then, you know, they don't get the luck of the green type thing. So, um, you know, Adelaide's starting to come good. Um, so, yeah, I think we, we'll make the semis. Um, I'd like to it, to be a top four spot, um, but we're right amongst it. You know, there's a couple of people with catch-up games um, and, you know, hopefully Central Coast start losing. But, yeah, uh, McLaren and, and City... Uh, and Naboo and all the gang, they're, they're really on fire at the moment. So I'm hoping their form drops soon because um, I think they're the ones to watch. But definitely semi-final contenders in the top four, I see us realistically. Um, yeah, and if we can pull a couple more wins and hopefully, you know, the crowds and, and, and the weather will follow, um, especially yeah. coming into the local winter soccer season, I, I think wouldn't be much better than, you know, to pl- as a kid to play during the day and then come five o'clock, come to Campbelltown Stadium to watch the Bulls. Uh, I don't think life gets much better for a kid. When I was a young kid, um, um, loved playing, get home and you'd play. But then it was always fantastic when Dad would take us to, um, you know, um, King Tom to watch Sydney, Croatia, which ended up being Sydney United, mm. uh, play against Marconi, or Sydney Olympic, and they were passionate, passionate days. So different, but yeah. So I'd like to see some of that passion uh, come back um, in certain elements. Uh, there's a few rivalries which we don't need, but um, otherwise, yeah, it's just, yeah, I, I don't think you could get better uh, than playing during the day and having a 505 Saturday afternoon game against Victory or or whoever. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that, that sounds like the perfect start to a weekend pers- personally. Um, and you're right about, you know, the passion that needs to come back into the game. I think, um, you know, the Frighteners were put through the people who administrate the league a little bit because of the media backlash around, uh, like, when the Wanderers came in. I mean, apart from a couple of, uh, you know, rogue supporters who took it a little bit too far, there's they brought vibrancy back into the game, the kind of uh, passion and support that you'd see over in Europe and you hadn't seen probably since the old NSL days. So. I think if we're aiming for something, we should be aiming towards that more, um, you know, passionate, uh, visceral kind of support, certainly. Um, I was fortunate enough, um, my daughter and I uh, watched the El Clasico before the pandemic broke out. Um, You know, Barcelona had the independence rights. The game got postponed, but it got postponed to when we were in Barcelona for four days. And we went to that game as 
a great game, but it was nil all. <laughs> and um, but and then we in Madrid at the Bernabeu, we watched uh, again Real Madrid play Athletic Bilbao. And what I noticed is it was ninety three thousand for the El Clasico, but they've got the same amount of fanatics as we do, say if the red and black block or, you know, with uh, Sydney FC with the Cove, just because they're a huge club and the biggest clubs in the world or richest clubs or whatever, it doesn't like times their fanatics by 10 or 20. Yeah. They've got the same amount at the same end, singing the same chants and the same like songs. And then we went and watched Watford and Wolves. And thankfully that was two one because the other Madrid game was nil all as well. And that was a great game. And we'll write, with the um, the Watford um, in the home supporters at you know Vicarage Road, and I thought there's no difference between a derby between Sydney FC and Wanderers and hopefully Macarthur in terms of crowds etc. Four years ago when round one there were 61,000 people there, yeah, that was a better atmosphere than the old Classico was. So if we can get that back, and you know imagine us. You know, obviously at Campbelltown, you know, we're maxed out at 18,000 or so at the moment if we could get a full stadium. But imagine if we're playing a, a semi-final or an away game at ANZ or Bank West and we've got 30 or 60 or 80,000. And it's happened in the A-League. All our grand yeah. finals, most of them have been uh, full. You know, Eddie had with the victory or, you know, uh, or if it's been played at ANZ. Uh, or, or Brisbane, uh, we've had fantastic crowds. So the crowds are there. We just got to give them a product for them to come out. And if we can have a rivalry uh, in local derbies with the Wanderers and Sydney FC uh, with that same vibrancy as that round one three or four years ago, uh, that was probably the best uh, A-League game I was, I was at in terms of crowd. Mm. And to have it in the first game of the season was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's massive. And, uh, you know, bringing it back to what you said before about having the kids play the game and then go to the game, um, that's the kind of support that you want to uh, instill. And um, in terms of MacArthur, like, yes, we're a young club, but the results are there and they're growing and we'll be able to, with, you know, further support. And as it becomes more of a culturally accepted thing, uh, you know, the area is still sort of getting used to it, I suppose. Um, but it will grow. Um, in saying that, though, you, you know as well as I do, George, that the A-League doesn't get as much media coverage and perhaps support from the mainstream as it should. Um, do you see that as a massive barrier or is it something that we shouldn't really focus on and just stick to, you know, our, our craft, our game and, and focus on that? Um, it's a big question, but what do you have to say? No, it definitely is a barrier and it's been a barrier since uh, the NSL days because, when it's it's a conflict when you've got the newspapers owning like Brisbane Broncos and uh, being shareholders of the NRL, of course they're going to give uh, the NRL full coverage and you know the back six pages. Like sometimes I have to search after the race guide and after the funeral notices to find one column yeah. on a game or a transfer or something. It's absolutely ridiculous, but they're doing it to their own detriment because it's the world game. They could you know, diversify, they could be the lover of all sports. And the fact is, is we've got the biggest growth and the biggest numbers by far. Now I'm for all sports. So I love rugby league. Uh, you know, I've played tennis, basketball, whatever. I just want kids out there. But in terms of what the mainstream media are doing uh, to the world game or the A-League, 
is uh, not right and they're doing it to their own detriment because this game's growing and I wish, you know, all the other games would grow as well. But the fact is, is uh, they're not giving us the coverage. They're not giving us the respect in terms of uh, uh, broadcast deals, etc. And you've seen what Optus did uh, stealing the EPL, you know. Yeah. Fox were there. They thought we've had it every year. We're going to pay our 20 mil or whatever or 30 mil. Uh, and they did a great job. You know, they had Daniel Garb and a few uh, pitch side, what, what jobs they had in terms of being at Old Trafford and talking to players and coaches, etc. Yeah. And then uh, Optus has gone, yeah, we'll give you 50 or 60 million. So there's no loyalty in terms of uh, sports rights that goes to the highest bidder. Now, I don't know what's happened with that Champions League where that bloke come from. Yeah, to, sports click. <laughs> yeah, to steal it. Uh, but I went to, you know, my phone stuff was with Telstra or whatever. As soon as Optus got the EPL and, you know, they've gone to um, uh, in, uh, in terms of uh, Europa League and, and yeah, they the got Champions a, a package League. deal. On yeah, uh, I went to the Optus store, changed my phone over to Optus. I got Optus MBN. Uh, I put on the family, you know, sharing. So the whole family is an Optus. We've got the fetch box, which gives us, you know, on the TV. I'm looking to upgrade to a Samsung, so to have the Optus app, so I don't have to, you know, go through the fetch or, or do whatever. And also I've got it on my phone, so if I want to click onto it. So that's what Optus did with APL. Now, I'd love Optus uh, to come charging for the A-League and Fox to fight them off or whatever, uh, just so they get the money, then they can invest in the marketing too. Because now we're at a point where with the digital world, the FFA uh, or the A-League can do their own marketing and get their own yeah. stories out because we're all on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and you can get that information out. You don't need the mainstream media as much. Absolutely. But in terms of, um, yeah, it's really unfair, uh, but I look forward to the new broadcast deal for a bigger share of the pie yeah. and that money to filter through to uh, the marketing and the clubs as well to, uh, you know, and, and that goes to the players and attracts better players and, you know, but saying that the MacArthur FC, I think uh, Ante Milicic has done a fantastic job recruiting in terms of, uh, you know, the Spanish and the French and, you know, some form of socceroos. Uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, fantastic. like, if you told me that we'd be able to see Benya Echeverria and Marcel oh. Sosaeda in the first season playing on Campbelltown at Campbelltown yeah. Stadium, like <laughs> I would have called you a liar. Like, wouldn't have believed. Yeah, you. it's it's well, amazing. But, like, but Benat come on in the 86th minute for Athletic Bilbao when I watched the uh, game against Madrid at the Bernabeu. Oh, like, so you had a, you had a hand in it. You just after the game, Benya, yeah, make yeah, sure I you come to Campbelltown. <laughs> So, but as yeah. he said, the, the bid's been in process for years. He started, yeah, yeah, started yeah. early. It's, it's yeah. been going and going. Yeah, yeah I was I don't like, know how you're recruitment in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, honestly, like the Fox coverage this year has been shocking when you have like three camera angles the entire game. Like, I'd just be happy to see him move on. And I think Optus is like with their coverage of the. World Cup, even even though they stuffed that up a little bit, but the EPL, they've got that right. They've shown they can do it. But anyone but Fox, I think, yeah. and the game well, will just kick on. Well, SBS, we had to go to uh, SBS on demand during that World Cup because the yeah. just it was a shocker there. They've improved, but what I must say is, you know, the the mini games, the three minute games, the twenty four minute games, the highlights, the preview show, the post show, 
have that on demand is fantastic. And I think Fox are learning a bit out of that because now you can have a, like I've upgraded to IQ4. I need soccer, all tops, you know, just, you know, so I've got it, you know. So in terms of now that you can get it on demand, you know, I've set the MacArthur FC games to record. Um, so to come home and watch, you know, the, the, the mini game for 24 minutes instead of having to watch the two-hour game because you're running shorter time. Um, so it's improved in terms of that on demand and streaming. Uh, but, yeah, the camera angles and the investment. Um, but saying that, um, I do love their commentary team, like, you know, the, the likes of Mark Bosnich and Robbie Slater and Adam Peacock. I probably, if they can improve and give a better share of the pie to soccer over NRL and whatever else, and if, you know, uh, Fetch uh, Sports or Opta Sports, if they're all battling and, and the A-League get more money out of it, but I truly truly love uh, those commentators and they're really nice blokes. So in terms of, uh, yeah, like if they can improve their coverage and uh, improve the broadcasting deal, uh, yeah, I'd hate to lose uh, the old, well, it was not old, similar age to me, but <laughs> Bozza and, uh, and Adam's such a nice guy and, and Robbie Slater, I used to watch him play for Sydney Croatia back in the day. Um, yeah. They've got an awesome uh, team. You know, what happened to Simon Hill? He's another oh. great guy. Um, yeah, really, really saddened by that because uh, himself and his partner, Stephanie, they're just salt of the earth people and absolutely love the game. And uh, I, I miss him that he's not on our A-League coverage. All, Obviously, he's got the... Yeah. We all do. Like whatever whatever streaming platform or, um, you know, broadcaster can get Simon Hill as commentator, that's where the A-League should go. Not saying that yeah. the other commentators yeah. aren't doing a, a good job, but he's just that next level. I mean, for people like myself who've grown up seeing the Socceroos be commentated in all hours of the morning, wherever you are in the world, Simon Hill's the one. Um, you know, he is the voice of football to me um, in the same way that, uh, um, you know, an older, older commentator might be to, for you. Um, yeah, it's... Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it, right. You can't be divorced from it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, it's just, that's, yeah. that's football. <laughs> no, I can see that because Martin Tyler and Les Murray yeah, were that for me growing up i'm obviously older than yourselves but yeah he's that to you and you know i've met the man and uh you know tara rushton she's just a wonderful person uh a great advocate of the game john kazmina like i've met these people i've had chats with them um they don't you know they're quite important they're busy they're you know um they're on tv but when you actually talk to them they take the time to have a chat and they remember you so and, and I've got great respect for that because uh, they're not just, um, you know, saying, hey, g'day and see ya. Uh, like, you know, I've been in when they had the Sunday night show at the Artam, like Fox Channel 9 studios, and you're there in the front row with my daughter and that. And, and then you have a photo or a chat and the chat and commercial breaks. These are, these are great people who are doing great for the game. It's the executives that are looking at the bottom dollar and trying to save cash and the conflicts of interest in terms of owning parts of league or clubs that make it hard for, for the A-League and hard for, you know, the world game in general in Australia. Yeah, because as you said, there's that financial incentive behind it all. And at the end of the day, football is a business, but I think there's hurdles unnecessarily placed in front of them because of media monopolies and the sort of um, the values or beliefs driving those media monopolies. Um but look, George, it's been amazing talking to you. We've 
we booked you in for a 10 minute session and you've been here nearly yeah. an hour with us. So we really do appreciate it. Um, before you go, can you give us a soundbite? Can you give us your best, like tell us who you are and give us your best. You're listening to the Bull Banter podcast. Okay. <laughs> I'm uh, George Bratetrich, the mayor of Campbelltown. And uh, we're listening to the Bullpen podcast, uh, a great show by great blokes and great fans and supporters of the game. And I'll be seeing you Friday in the Bullpen. George, thank you so much. Um, a fully dyed in the wool football fanatic from day one. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at Campbelltown Stadium soon. No, yeah, absolutely. And thanks for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, it was great to see you guys there and I'll be seeing you again and yeah, just uh, keep up the great work and thanks for the, the privilege. Oh, oh.